0: That uh, that rendition of the Christmas story—it's a story that we have heard, some of us many, many, many times over—and uh, the the puppet show put in a in a new frame uh, a story that we have heard many of us many, many times over. Um, as we go through this season now of celebrating Christmas one more time. Um, I think it's good for us to, to take a moment and pause and to reflect on uh, on what God wants to communicate to us this time around. Um, a lot of the time right before this sermon begins, I'll say, let's take a moment to quiet ourselves, and, and we'll do that now. Um, but this time with a with a specific kind of angle on it, thinking about all that Christmas celebrations mean to you, and uh, all of the family gatherings, or lack thereof, or whatever, there might be coming up this week, taking all of those things in mind and setting them before the Lord and saying, this is what we're doing, Lord. (laughs) What do you want to communicate to us this time around? Let's take a moment to center ourselves in the Lord's presence that way as we reflect on this scripture and on the upcoming sermon text together. Lord God, we give you thanks for this story that has shaped the world, the story of the birth of the Savior, even Jesus Christ, our Lord. And as we reflect on his birth and on the implications of that birth for our lives and for the world around us, we pray that you would help us to hear clearly from you this day what you would say to your church, to your people gathered in this place. Give us grace that we might hear, and uh, and peace in our hearts that we might know your presence in a very clear and real and, and meaningful way through this time. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our sermon text today comes from Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. These are the opening verses to the book of Romans. And today I'm going to read from the net translation of the Bible, uh, just for stylistic reasons. Uh, The way it translates a couple of phrases I think are are important and good. Uh, So I'll be reading from, uh, from that translation, Romans 1, verses 1 through 7. From Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. This gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy scriptures concerning his son, who was a descendant of David with reference to the flesh, who was appointed the son of God in power, according to the Holy spirit by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord, Through him, we have received grace and our apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles on behalf of his name. You also are among them called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those loved by God in Rome, called to be saints. Grace and peace to you from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. I had a meeting with several other pastors in the area uh, earlier this month. And uh, when it came time for that meeting, we were all gathered in the room. And then uh, a few minutes later, one more of the group joined us a little bit late. And he was very apologetic, rushing in, obviously very frazzled. And, and uh, something you know had distracted him or made him late. He was running behind. And he came into the room very apologetic. I'm so sorry for being late. Sorry this has been such a crazy day and you know how it goes and all of this stuff. And my first, my first reaction was to say, so if I were to say something out loud, would be to say, that's okay, or I understand, or um, everyone has experiences like that, uh, you know, some days are just like that. That's kind of my go-to phrase, uh, my, my go-to language when somebody comes in like that. But, I, I was not the first one to speak. Another one of the pastors in that group spoke first, and she said something that was very simple and yet very Profound and meaningful. In the presence of that very anxious and hectic person that had joined our group, uh, she simply said, Grace and peace. Grace and peace. That's all that there needed to be said. Grace, meaning there is graciousness to encompass everything that's going on in life, and we're all good with, with you being here. And peace, you don't need to be anxious about being late to this meeting. It's, uh, But that's adding too many words to it. It was just grace and peace. And I found that to be a, a, a wonderful and meaningful way to respond to somebody who is in a, a, a high state of emotion and a high state of A kind of anxiousness. Grace and peace was not a phrase that she came up with on her own, this pastor, of course. It's a phrase that comes right out of scripture. And it's in this passage, this introduction to Romans. And Romans is not the only book of the New Testament that has this as a blessing from the author to the recipient. There are a dozen letters, and I'm not using that metaphorically, actually 12 letters in the New Testament that... Begin with this kind of blessing to the recipients of the letters, including the words, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace was a common way for Christians to greet each other and to extend each other a a welcome and a blessing in the name of the Lord, even as that letter began. Now, grace and peace... Are two concepts that we're relatively familiar with. Grace, you might remember from our uh, sermon series back in November. Remember November? It seems so long ago now. Uh, We were finishing up that fall journal that had uh, the final section on grace. And we discussed grace as um, a blessing from God, an undeserved gift from God, and strength from God for us to endure whatever challenges life throws our way. Grace. Today we're going to think about the other side of that, more peace. Peace being the theme word for the day, uh, for this fourth Sunday of Advent. Peace is a a wonderful concept and an important concept for us to think about and to implement in our lives. We sing about peace a lot this time of year. In Christmas carols, there are a number of songs that use the word peace. Uh, Peace on earth and mercy mild. We've sung those words even today. Sleep in heavenly peace, as Pam played in the offertory, Silent Night, has that word peace in it. And I imagine, uh, we don't have kids, but I imagine anyone who's raised children would pray for sleep in heavenly peace, child, please, sometime. Um, Some babies sleep better than others, I guess. We sing a lot about peace, but not just in the raising of children, but in the world in general, there is not always a lot of peace. And so we sang today, uh, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. There is no peace on earth, I said. Looking around at the world around us, we say there is no peace on earth. Where is the peace? And that... Christmas song is one of my favorites uh, written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow in the middle of the civil war where there was no peace in this, in this nation, especially. And in his own life, he wrote those words after a series of personal tragedies in his own life. It's an amazing story. So grace and peace. We are offered. We are blessed with by scripture. What? is peace, anyway. And why would peace be such an important part of a regular Christian blessing, like we find here in Romans 1? Peace is not simply a feeling of calm or a lack of stress. Peace is a deep and abiding sense of wholeness, unity, Rightness. Our idea of peace, the biblical idea of peace, is rooted in an Old Testament idea called shalom, which was mentioned in the Advent reading uh, when we lit the fourth Advent candle today. Shalom is a beautiful Hebrew word that encompasses peace, but means more than just what we mean lightly by peace. It has to do with safety and welfare and completeness. Shalom is an all-encompassing sense of health and well-being. Shalom is referred to over 200 times in the Old Testament. It is that important to the Old Testament scriptures. And it's famously found in an ancient blessing that was given by the Israelite priests to the people of Israel. This is found in Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Shalom. A blessing that the Israelite priests would give to the people on regular occasions. Shalom sense of rightness and well-being that leads even fictional characters to give blessings to each other. You know I'm going to go toward Star Trek. It only is a matter of time. But Mr. Spock, of course, blesses people with that blessing, that great Vulcan blessing, live long and prosper, which is really just another way of saying peace or shalom, live long and prosper. And of course, the famous hand sign that Mr. Spock gives was invented, not invented by Leonard Nimoy, the the actor who played him, but was kind of transferred. Yes, Tara walks into the room. This is wonderful. She she walks into the room and I'm holding my hands up like this. That's perfect. Yes. Um, Right. Good timing. Um, The word shalom begins with a Hebrew letter uh, called sheen. And do you know what Sheen looks like? It looks like this. The first letter in the word Shalom is represented by that symbol. Uh, also, the first letter of the word Shaddai, uh, a reference to God. It's uh, And it's a, a blessing that Leonard Nimoy saw as he was being raised in Jewish synagogues. The, the priests would stand and raise their hands over the congregation in blessing that way. Um, So it's just very natural for him to say, well, how about this fictional character bless people in that way? Um, Anyway, peace, shalom, has everything to do with rightness in the world, living well, being uh, at one with the world, at one with your circumstances, at one with the people around you. Shalom is knowing that everything is well, that all is well, that all is well, that all manner of things shall be well. That line is a quote from a 14th century Christian uh, writer and mystic. Her name is, is, which from, from England. Uh, She was a nun who lived in seclusion and prayer for her entire life. And she is known for many sayings, one of them being, all will be well, and all will be well, and all manner of thing will be well. As a way of uh, combating those anxieties and those frustrations that make us think that all will not be well, that make us uh, curl our fists and, and fear that things will not know. All will be well. So where does this kind of peace come from? How do we experience that kind of peace? The truth is we can't manufacture peace. We can't speak it into existence. Let there be light, God said, and there was light. We can't just say, let there be peace, and it suddenly happens. The key to knowing peace is to know the source of peace. Julian of Norwich, who said, all will be well and all will be well. She wasn't actually saying those words. She received those words in a mystical vision of Jesus. She she encountered Jesus in a spiritual sort of transcendent way. And she heard Jesus say to her those words, all will be well. All will be well. All manner of thing will be well. Jesus was sharing peace with her in that moment without blaming anyone for the lack of peace in the world. The blessing in numbers that, that uh, the ancient Israelite priests would say, the Lord bless you and keep you, that uh, blessing asks for the Lord to give us peace. Peace belongs to God. And peace is graciously granted to us by God. We don't create peace, we receive peace. Peace And the most important and dramatic and meaningful way, the most lasting way that God has given us peace is, of course, in the arrival of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, whom Isaiah foretold the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end, whom the prophet Micah foretold, he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and will be their peace. Jesus is peace incarnate. So when we read this introduction to Romans, these first several verses, they are very rightly focusing on the identity of Jesus. Who is this Jesus character? But these verses give us a few clues about the meaning of divine peace and our responsibility as recipients of that peace. Even as these verses grant us or or bless us with that saying grace and peace one more time. Jesus is, this passage says, Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the gospel. The good news that God had promised centuries before in the writings of the Old Testament prophets. Jesus creates peace between God and humanity First and foremost, Jesus creates peace by uniting his divine nature with his human nature. Uh, According to the flesh, Paul writes, the author of this letter, according to the flesh, Jesus is human. According to the spirit, Jesus is divine, fully human and fully divine. This is the mystery of the incarnation. But this text says more than that. Jesus has ultimate Power too. Because Jesus is not just being as a descendant of human beings, no, Jesus is the descendant of David. Now, that's an important name in Israelite history. David was the greatest of the kings of Israel, of course. And to say Jesus is a descendant of David is to say that Jesus inherits that throne. Jesus inherits the throne of Israel. He is king over human affairs. He is the long-awaited Messiah. His arrival as a baby born in Bethlehem was recognized by those wise men who visited, the Magi from the East, who came asking, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? And Jesus, according to the flesh, is that King, but according to the Spirit... Jesus is the son of God in power. He has been appointed or announced to be the son of God in power. Human affairs, but king over divine affairs, king over the entire universe. And Paul writes that that announcement took place not at the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, but at the second birth of Jesus when he rose from the dead. It is in one and the same person that all human power and all divine power are combined. And this ultimately powerful one appears to us first in that ultimately weak and fragile and poor baby boy born to that obscure family in that obscure town. That Jesus gives us grace and peace. That Jesus calls us to belong to Him. That Jesus shows that we are loved by God. That Jesus gives us a new identity as saints, as people who live holy lives through His power and in His Spirit. That Jesus calls us. To be living conduits of his grace and peace. So that his grace and peace might flow through us to other people. Because you see, receiving grace and peace is not the goal of the spiritual life. It's not the end of the reason that we gather together. It is a means to an end. We receive grace and peace from Christ so that we can share grace and peace with others who need it. Now, Paul, the author of Romans, understood this uh, transition or this movement of grace and peace from him to others. He understood that very well. If there was anyone in the early years of the church who needed to receive grace and peace, it was this guy. It was, uh, before he became a Christian, of course, he was a persecutor of Christians, He uh, did this on behalf of the Jewish religious establishment, going from town to town, arresting, jailing, beating, even helping to murder uh, those who proclaimed that Jesus is Lord. It wasn't until Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus that his life changed. Paul encountered Jesus on that road where he was going to the city of Damascus to do what he did, which was to arrest more Christians, put more Christians in prison. When Jesus interacted with him and met him and convicted him of his sin, Paul immediately believed in Jesus and God immediately put Paul to work sending him on to Damascus where he was going to do some arresting of people. And instead, Paul got to work preaching about the news of Jesus, that Jesus is the son of God. Uh, Paul had become suddenly one of the people that he formerly was trying to arrest. Now that would be a happy ending to Paul's story. But think a little bit down the road when Paul has to uh, join the group of other disciples. Paul has to fit into this circle of people that he had formerly persecuted. They were understandably afraid of him. But they decided, through prayer and deliberation, and through the influence of a man named Barnabas, that Paul would be accepted. They showed Paul grace and peace. And brought him into the fold. Paul received grace and peace from Jesus first, and then he received grace and peace from the community of believers second. It is that grace and peace, that blessing of shalom, that Paul the recipients of his letter written to the Christians in Rome. And what's amazing about this letter in that sense is that Paul doesn't know these people at all. He had not gone to Rome by the time he wrote this letter. This is in advance of his first visit to Rome. He's writing to people that are strangers to him and yet related to him in and through Christ. He extends grace and peace to them even before he meets them. So we also who believe in Jesus... We belong to Jesus. We are loved by God. when We are called to be saints. We have received grace and peace through Jesus. And we are called to pass that grace and peace along to those around us. So that they might join us in the walk of faith and obedience for the sake of the name of Jesus. This is all the language that Paul's using in this introduction. We can summarize it just with that phrase, grace and peace. Let that be your blessing this week. The blessing that you receive from Jesus and the blessing that you give to others in the name of Jesus. Perhaps you need grace and peace in your life. So pursue that gift. Trust that Jesus gives it still. Ask for grace and peace. Pray for grace and peace. Desire it more than you might desire to find anything else under a Christmas tree. For shalom, the true peace of God, is beyond all price and value. It is of ultimate worth. Perhaps someone else in your life needs to receive grace and peace from you. Uh, perhaps you will see family members this week with whom you have longstanding disagreements or conflicts. Perhaps there are stressful situations in uh, in your upcoming week in terms of what people you will interact with or what people you will not interact with. Perhaps there will be a seat around the table that will not be occupied by someone who had been there in the past. And there will be a need for grace and peace among all of those who are gathering. Let Shalom be the flavor of your conversations this week, whether it's around the dinner table or around the Christmas tree or in the car or in the store, wherever you find yourself with it, whether it's with family members or with strangers, find an opportunity to communicate grace and peace to someone who needs to hear it this week. It could even be as simple as someone running into a meeting late and apologizing profusely for being late. All you can say is grace and peace and extend that to that person and it might just change their life. So look for that opportunity this week even as you seek grace and peace for yourself. Let's pray together. God, we give you thanks that there is grace and peace in you We give you thanks that you are the author of these things and that you never run out of them. And so we call on you, Lord, to give us grace and to give us peace and to help us share those gifts with those around us this week. As we go into this uh, week of Christmas with all that it holds, we pray that you would be at the center of our thoughts and that all of our conversations would be seasoned with those gifts, that grace, that peace that hope, that joy, that love that is Christ Jesus our Lord. It's in his name that we pray all of these things and all of God's people said, Amen.